Many thanks to Carlos Franco of the Ramble Rouser podcast and Carlos Talks on Facebook. Follow him on social media for podcasting, voice acting, streaming, and more. Hello, Garcia. Those two words broke the internet before breaking the internet was even a thing. Welcome to Yugdo, a podcast where we get mad about Filipino history. I'm your host, Sunny, and in this episode, we're getting mad about Gloria Macapagal Arroyo, how she frauded her way to the presidency, and all the horrible bits that happened after. In getting mad over her corruption, we also get mad at the entrenched corruption in the Philippines that allows the powerful to escape accountability when they do anything, from rape, to murder, to lying to millions of Filipinos all around the world. This is a tale about a phone call. A tale about disappeared votes. A tale about a celebrity superstar turned reluctant figurehead. And most of all, it's a tale about an escape act. It is January 2001, on the plaza known as EDSA, where a peaceful revolution once deposed dictator Ferdinand Marcos. Another massive number of people gather and sit in to demand that President Joseph Erap Estrada step down. The actor-turned-president was once beloved by the masses, but it seems that news after breaking news about his midnight corruption meetings and his supposedly receiving millions in cash from associations to illegal gambling dens, have driven people to a breaking point. Joseph Estrada flees the presidential residence of Malacanang Palace and soon formally resigns. In the flurry of the news breaking out that throngs gathered in EDSA, in the midst of people hugging and exclaiming and singing in joy at the protest's success, a small mousy woman gets up to the podium with her head held high and a smile on her face. This is Erap Estrada's vice president, Gloria Macapagal Arroyo, or GMA as the masses call her. Known for being quite short, she spent this January 2001 standing as one of the tallest people there, as one of the heroes of this revolution that would be called People Power Two. GMA is the daughter of ex-president Josdado Macapagal. She has a decent reputation, and even actually garnered more of a plurality than even Erap in the 1998 elections, when she won as his vice president. Public confidence is high for now, and of course people just want to celebrate. And celebrating her is part of it. She takes the oath in front of the cheering throngs, glad at their victory and hopeful as ever for the next few years of the Philippines. Marcos down, Erap down, surely it is all going to be smooth sailing from here. Who would have thought that this event would ultimately set up the entrance of someone equally bad? Someone who just like Marcos and the many slimy and violent oligarchs in the nation's history would do just about anything to be president and stay president. It is the 2004 elections, and GMA has a problem. She wants to stay president, desperately one might say. It's possible she feels like it's her birthright, just like many political scions who simply quote-unquote inherit the positions from their mothers and fathers. There's plenty of money in being president, especially in being president of the Philippines, 
where a culture of familiarity and an ever-widening social status gap makes corruption an everyday norm. Whatever it is, GMA makes it clear that she is going to run again. There is just one massive hurdle. In her bid for the presidency, she's going to have to go against a powerhouse. That powerhouse is Fernando Poe Jr., an actor who has been in the movie business for over half a century. Fernando Poe Jr., popularly known as FPJ, is beloved by the masses. He is known for playing tough guys on screen, the gruff downtrodden everyman, and their fantasy of punching and shooting their way through poor and rich villains alike. In many ways, FPJ has the same appeal and power as Erap, the president actor who was just deposed. But where Erap was an open womanizer and scandal magnet, FPJ is surprisingly soft-spoken. Given that he likely is guilty of the typical vices of celebrity of his caliber, in a place as dirty as showbiz, FPJ nevertheless is actually quite private. This duality between the megastar and the man he actually is only makes him more appealing. Unlike Erap, FPJ has zero political experience behind him. Erap climbed his way steadily through the political ranks over decades and decades, even while staying an actor. FPJ, on the other hand, is new to this whole business and does not come across as particularly smart or capable or even interested in the political sphere. If anything, he actually almost seems reluctant speaking about his candidacy, his plans and his intentions. And this actually only makes him more endearing. So for now, it seems like just as a celebrity was responsible for GMA's rise, a celebrity might be responsible for her fall. Because again, just like Erap before him, the masses adore FPJ to an almost insane degree. They see themselves in him, they enjoy his heroics, they emulate his on-screen fight against the social-political elites. Just like Erap before him, he is a familiar name who seems earnest and down-to-earth amidst it all. FPJ does not need to campaign as hard, he does not need to make lofty promises, he simply has to walk into a room and the masses fawn over him. What does GMA do against these overwhelming odds and adoration? The answer is cheat, of course, but we only find out about that later. The bottom line is, after months and months of it looking like these two are relatively close odds-wise, with FPJ being the favorite, the elections come. And boy, what a surprise! Poe garners 11.8 million votes. GMA? 12.9 million. About a 1.1 million difference. FBJ's camp contests the polls. His team is adamant that he's the victim of electoral fraud. How was it possible with his pre-election that he lost? That in some regions, Entire towns registered an improbable total of zero votes for FPJ, while in those same regions, GMA would nearly get 100%. This case sits on the lap of the Supreme Court for years. As GMA seemingly goes on with her life and embraces her new role as president, and it isn't too long after the filing that FPJ passes away suddenly. 
At a studio Christmas party, FBJ falls unconscious. He is rushed to the hospital, where he slips into a coma while being treated for a blood clot. FBJ never regains consciousness. Three days after entering the hospital, as fans gathered outside and prayed, FBJ was dead. Two million people attended FBJ's wake, and tens of thousands attended his funeral procession. Weirdly at this time, the presidential palace was arming itself. Tanks were brought in, barbed wire was set up, guards and soldiers were posted. The GMA administration was afraid that FBJ's supporters would be worked up into a frenzy at his death and would storm the palace to avenge the robbery of their hero. It did not come to pass, but of course if it had, it would still not have brought FPJ back. But FPJ's camp and the mourning masses were definitely right about one thing. FPJ was robbed, and everyone was about to discover how. It is June 2005, and things are about to get very messy, very fast. Remember how I said two unexpected things happen? Well, the first was sad, but resolved as far as GMA is concerned. FBJ's wife, actress Susan Rosas, had tried to keep the momentum going on the motion to investigate FBJ being frauded out of victory. But with FBJ himself dead, there was no more steam. The Supreme Court chucks the proposal, and GMA sighs in relief, thinking she's safe. But the second thing is about to come crashing down on her head, and it all starts with a phone call made well over a year ago. In a press conference, Samuel Ong, the deputy director of the country's National Bureau of Investigation, has a whistle to blow. He plays two recordings that make waves not just in the Philippines, but around the world. The two recordings that take place in the week of counting after the previous elections seem to be of a call between a man and a woman. It doesn't take anyone listening to the tape too long to figure out that it seems to be the voice of GMA and then-election commissioner Virgilio Garciliano. The recording's most damning line? Hello, Garci. So I will still lead by more than one M? Which is taken to mean that the person is asking if she'll win by one million votes still. This implies two things. That I guess GMA calls Virgilio Garciliano Garci? And I'll let you judge if that's cute or not. And that GMA is asking Garci to either leak her the count early or manipulate a few votes in her favor. By how many votes did GMA win again? Why, about 1M, or 1 million. Further along in the call, the woman's voice is heard on the tape saying, Yung dagdag, yung dagdag. Translating to, what was added, what was added. Again, a reference to something being added, and again, obviously pertaining to the votes. The recording is nothing less than explosive. The media descends on GMA like a pack of wild dogs. Was this you? What were you talking about? Are you admitting that you cheated? GMA figuratively, maybe literally, closes the curtain on the journalists for a few nights. She doesn't come out, she doesn't answer questions, she has nothing to say. 
which really is an answer in itself. When she does poke her head out of the sand, she mimes listening patiently to questions, then says calmly she has no idea what people are talking about. What tape? Who, me? I have never, never cheated in my life. No one buys it. <laughs> but she's not trying to sell it too hard either. She's just trying to take as much buffer time as she can to formulate a plan, mobilize with her team, and curse Garcy the whole time. And the public? They satirize the incident to hell and back on television. Impressions are made at schools and colleges as rallies begin to regularly assemble to call for transparency and for GMA's impeachment. Phones everywhere began to ring incessantly with that soundbite as the most popular ringtone to have. Hello Garcy, hello Garcy, hello Garcy. For real though, there is not a doubt in anyone's mind that it was GMA in the call. That voice is as distinct as anything else about her, from her notable stature and her iconic mole. Her denial is only making things worse, making people angrier, or just making her look dumber and more shameless in general. GMA knows this as well as anyone. She's corrupt and a cheater, but she's not stupid. There's only so much that flagrant obfuscating can cover up. A few weeks after the Bombshell Expose, the entire nation holds its breath in anticipation and tunes in. On the TV, the camera captures GMA speaking earnestly, direct to frame, her leaning forward slightly as if in nervousness and the room well lit up. Appropriately somber, calculatingly so. On the radio, the same voice from the recording pops up. GMA addresses the nation. And while YouTuber apologies don't really exist at this point yet, she gives those a run for their money. She tells the nation, with a quiet voice, what they already know. Yes, that was me on those calls. Yes, that was me talking to Garcy. With the sincerest eyes she can manage, she monotones that it was a lapse in judgment. She says, and I quote, I am sorry. Then with those same eyes locked onto everyone watching from home, she adamantly clarifies, while she was definitely on the call with Garcy, she did not cheat. She insists that she won the election fair and square. The call? It was about something else completely, so don't worry about it. I'm sorry, but also please forget it. Something along those lines. All in all, the video address only succeeded in giving the general populace more ammo for memory. Just like Hello Garcy, I Am Sorry became a mainstay on comedy sketch shows and an easy way to lighten the mood if you made a boo-boo over dinner. GMA had hoped that people would buy what she finally came to sell with her explanations. Unfortunately for her, this didn't come to pass. The people at home kept laughing. The people marching on the streets kept angry. And she kept digging herself deeper and deeper and deeper into this hole. Hello, Garcy. We would like to see you at the congressional hearings about election fraud that won GMA the presidency over FBJ.
whether or not it goes like that. One can imagine it was an awkward summons, especially because Garcia actually disappeared off the grid for five months after the initial exposure of the tapes. Again, do innocent people normally do things like that? Either way, like GMA, Garcia eventually decides that living in dread of the consequences of your actions likely isn't healthy. He pops up and becomes a key witness at the congressional hearing. At the hearing, Garcia conveniently corroborates GMA's widely seen version of events. About GMA calling him, but hey, no talks of cheating happening. He also claims, among other things, he isn't sure if it, that's his voice on the tape. He doesn't know a Garcia, even though he does admit he has friends who call him Garcia sometimes. It still could be anyone, right? It's an excuse as roundabout and unbelievable as GMA's, but he sticks to it more and more. Garcia says, slowly, guardedly, that GMA did call him once, 14 days after the May 2004 elections. But he says that she's far from the only ones to have called him then to ask vague questions about the elections. Garcia even doubles down with a very woe's me approach by lamenting that the public may no longer believe what I will tell you later in the wake of what happened in the past. The icing on top of the cake is Garcia furiously stands by how the tapes were wiretapped illegally. He reasons that regardless of whatever was on them, his rights, if he's the one on the call, and the rights of whoever is on the other end of the call, certainly not GMA, he swears, has been violated. This grown-ass man says, I am a victim here. The law protects me. Those in the hearing very rightfully ask why he's adamant about being a victim if he really believes that he's not the person on the tapes. Garcia replies, one can imagine with a certain amount of panic and maybe a few beads of sweat. I'm not saying that, your honor. Congress requests that Garcia submits his passport to make him stay in the country. Garcia says he doesn't know where his passport is. Not long after this, unsurprisingly, Garcia flees to Singapore. And after Garcia disappears, where did the congressional hearings go? We don't have the time in this current episode of this podcast to give you the long version, so the short version is nowhere. As people like FPJ's daughter, Senator Grace Poe, furiously work against GMA, the fact is GMA has been at this game of cheating and gathering favors far longer than most of the people coming after her. It becomes clear over time that there seems to be a stalwart determination to not investigate the allegations. We all know, of course, that the pockets of those who made the decision must have been heavy with bribes. The lines of questioning meander. The public loses interest. Eventually, one might say inevitably, the charges are dropped. And GMA? She continued to grin her way through her presidency. There are other attempts to remove Arroyo from the presidency. But she denies. She shakes hands. She and her friends line each other's pockets. And eventually, she finishes her presidency. Rotting her way to the presidency was far from the end of GMA's misdeeds while in power. She nearly exonerated a mayor friend of hers who was imprisoned for the rape slay of a student and her boyfriend. 
Murderous abductions and assassinations of journalists hit an absurd all-time high during her presidency. And when she was out of the presidential palace, and she was being taken to court over her unsavory acts and corruption, she conveniently went to the hospital and wore a neck brace. Because you wouldn't send a sick and injured older woman to prison, would you? GMA eventually, despite her quote-unquote sickness and injury, became Speaker of the House. Then eventually again, she was exonerated of another fraud case in 2016 by the Supreme Court in none other than the time of President Rodrigo Duterte. GMA has now teamed up with the family of the president that she once deposed for corruption, the Estradas. She has teamed up with the Marcoses. Between GMA, the Dutertes, the Estradas, and the Marcoses, they all ally now to try to push one of their own. Seasoned cheaters, flagrant oligarchs, and the power behind more extrajudicial deaths than we will ever know to the 2022 presidency. Scum stick together, I suppose, and unfortunately, as far as Filipino history goes, scum also finds a way to rise to the surface over and over and over again. In 2008, a survey said majority of Filipinos believed that GMA cheated in the elections. Hopefully, this coming May will be different. And if it is not, then we have no one to blame but ourselves. We need to believe that power structures and alliances can be toppled, that oligarchies can be stopped, and that the guilty, no matter how powerful they are, can be brought to justice. And we need to believe this together. Thanks for listening. Yugdo is narrated, researched, and written by Sunny, and is supported by the Work in Progress team. Sources and any subsequent correction of facts for this episode can be found on our website. For more information about the horrors of martial law, listen to Yugdo Season 1, The Murders of Martial Law. For more on how the Marcos campaign uses the digital space to spread anti-historical propaganda, follow me at sunny underscore bunny underscore tan on TikTok. Support us on Spotify, Anchor, and YouTube, or email us for any questions at whipping.ph at gmail.com. Never forget, never again, vote wisely, and see you soon.